Okay, so this is uh, Mueller Family Thanksgiving uh, 2012, and we're sitting down to talk to mom and dad about their life and uh, history and anything we might not know, and uh, thought the best way was to start at the beginning. And with disco. With, uh, <laughs> with uh, grandpa and grandma on both sides. Um, honestly, I'd, I told everyone else I'd have certain stories that I know about why Grandpa Mueller was missing his finger and some other stories, but really I felt like I didn't really know that much. So yeah. I don't know if we want to start with uh, the bully, Grandpa and Grandma, and uh, <laughs> kind of begin at uh, where they were from and anything you know about how they met, uh, and then we can go from there. My dad was Carl Boley, and my mother was Ruth Oswald Boley. And I think they just met back in the days when there was dances, and all the young people would go to the dances. And I remember my dad saying that his mother had told him to marry a healthy girl. <laughs> <laughs> and Mama wasn't healthy. <laughs> but Daddy loved her. And... Um, Evidently, as a youngster, she had had rheumatic fever, and it affected her lungs, and so uh, she had different troubles with breathing and allergies. And I don't know a whole lot more, because Mama died when I was four years old. And Daddy had a two-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a ten-year-old. And he was a farmer. And so he needed somebody to come and watch the kids for him while he was out in the fields and milking the cows. And my mother's aunt, Auntie Olive, would come every day to the farm and watch us. Uncle Happy, her husband, would drop her off on his way to work at the cement plant in town. And he'd pick her up every night and take her back to their house. And so she would cook and clean for us all day long and then go home and cook and clean for them. Because your mom's aunt was, it was my mother's aunt? aunt, but she was more my mother's age than an aunt's age. Okay. She was a how come you come so late, baby. Uh. <laughs> and um, so Daddy was interviewing different people, and he um, one day drove into the farmyard with a load of hay, and he saw that Auntie Olive had made a tent for us to play in by taking a blanket and putting it over the clothesline, and we kids came crawling out of the tent on our hands and knees, and Auntie Olive came crawling out of the tent too. And he said that day he decided to ask Auntie Olive if she would live with us, if she and Happy would move in with us. And when he asked her if they would move in with us and help him take care of us, she cried because she was so happy. She had seen him interviewing all these other ladies, and she really loved, uh, especially Judy, my baby sister, who was two years old and was already calling Auntie Olive Mama. And um, so they did. They moved in. Um, Daddy fixed up part of the farmhouse. We had a huge old farmhouse. He fixed up a part so that they would have their own living quarters and bedroom and bathroom. And so they helped my dad raise us from the time I was four till I was a high school sophomore. And Daddy had heart troubles. He had a heart attack when we were in grade school and more heart attacks when we were in high school. And he was advised to sell the farm and move out west, which he did. And all the way out west, 
and we would call home to Auntie Olive and Uncle Happy, and Judy was crying, and Auntie Olive was crying. So when we got out west, Daddy looked around at the farms and decided, I'm going to go back to Wisconsin because Judy's crying and Auntie Olive's crying, and this probably isn't a good plan. So he brought us back. But How long by, were you out there for? Uh, just really a couple weeks. And by that time, Auntie Olive and Uncle Happy had bought a house, and so they did not move back in with us. They had their own place, and my dad built a house. And so as a high school sophomore, um, Judy, who was a eighth grader, I as a sophomore, and my sister Sandy as a probably a senior, we ran the house. We bought groceries, we cleaned the house, we did the laundry, we made the meals. We did everything, and I didn't know any different. And I thought all young girls did that. And uh, even so, when I married your dad, I made some real horrendous meals, <laughs> even though I had run the house. <laughs> That's, I don't know a whole lot about Mama and Daddy, other than um, Daddy did marry outside of the Catholic Church, which back then, you know, Lutherans married Lutherans, Catholics married Catholics, and we didn't really marry outside the church, but Grandpa Boley had married outside the Catholic Church, and my dad married Mama, and um, Mama did become Catholic, but it was very unusual to marry outside the Catholic Church. But I guess that's why it wasn't a big thing for me to marry your dad, who was Christian scientist, <laughs> and wasn't uh, Catholic either, but it was just one of the oddities in our family that... Um, well, church was very important. My dad was a very, very God-loving. In fact, I think that's how he got through losing Mama and taking care of five kids. It's just his faith in God. Um, and I remember him praying on his knees with us at night. It made such an impact on me. Um, good man, but um, he wasn't really regimented by the laws of the church. It was just more of a, a faith thing for him. What uh, what religion was Grandma? Um, grandma and my mother and her parents, Grandma and Grandpa Oswald, didn't go to church. I think at one time they might have been going to church, and then Grandpa Oswald, who evidently had quite a temper, got mad at whatever pastor was in the church, or priest, I don't know if it was Lutheran or Catholic, um, and stopped going and forbid grandma from going and forbid the kids from going and grandpa oswald ran the house with an iron fist and so if he said no nobody bucked him and so they i think and think they might have been catholic at one time um there are stories told that grandma oswald hid her rosary from grandpa and would say her prayers but everybody was kind of afraid of grandpa oswald because he had such a temper so uh, yeah and uh was grandpa Bowley born in wisconsin no. Okay, Grandpa Boley was, let's see, there's my dad, and then his father, who would be your great-grandpa. Your great-great-grandpa in World War I is the one who came over on the boat. And Germany uh, would have conscripted him into the army, and he did not want to go to the army. So he uh, had enough money to buy one ticket. So he bought a ticket for his fiancée, and he was a stowaway. And that's how the Bowleys got to America. And I think back then, if you were found on the boat as a stowaway, they threw you overboard. I, I believe that was what it was. So it was a pretty brave thing for him to do. But that's, And that would have been my great-grandpa. 
So uh, they didn't have any, he was, they were engaged at that time. They, they were engaged kids. at that time, and the Bowleys in Germany had uh, a milk route business, which was kind of what the Bowleys in Wisconsin did too. They were farmers and they ran a milk route. So that kind of was a heritage type thing that they did here as well as. And one of the stories that my dad tells about his brothers and the milk route, uh, back then they had these big cans of milk that would weigh, what, 40 to 80 pounds of milk in each can. And Uncle Bobby and Uncle Bruin could walk through the snow with one can of milk here and one can of milk there. And they'd have snow up to their hips and they'd walk through the snow and carry these milk cans from the milk house to the truck. Uh, not a truck back then. It was a horse-pulled wagon. And uh, the county would talk about how strong those bully boys were. And Uncle... <laughs> uncle... Which uncle? Uncle milk. Bobby was Golden Gloves. Mm -hmm. So Golden Gloves champion. Golden Gloves champion, yeah. Which means what? Box. Amateur box. Do you know how the bullies ended up in Wisconsin? I mean when they came over from Germany, I'm assuming they when they came over from Germany, I'm assuming they landed you know, they came into New York City or one of the ports. Why not Wisconsin? <laughs> <laughs> On the boat. <laughs> the St. Lawrence Sea, we didn't exist. Um, they actually were up in Antigo, which is still Wisconsin, so I'm thinking there might have been some other relatives there. And then from Antigo, they moved down to the Manitowoc County Farm at some point. So I, my, no, I don't know, but I guess that there was probably some previous relative in Antigo. So I'm still. Uh stuck on when they came over. So World do you know War what I. you know what year Grandpa Foley was born? I could look on the records. We do have those records. And the general? I, I mean when was World War One? It was just before the Depression, right? Yep. So that would have been in like the No, teens. the Depression that was World War Two. You're talking nineteen thirty nine to nineteen forty two, that's World War Two. I'm talking World War One. Twenties, right? yeah, yeah. World War One was just before the Depression. I think it must have been before World War One. If it yeah. was your, your grandpa or your great grandpa? My great grandpa. I feel like it must have been before World War One, because that was in like the teens. Okay, since fear of being conscripted into the army, it may well have been in preparation for World War One. But that would have been uh, your. Great grandpa, and then there would have been uh, your grandpa, and then your dad, and then age. you. So 19, 20 years for your grandpa, 29, 20 years for your dad would have been would have made him born at like 49. So that can't be. I'm 1949. My dad is 1917. Well, I guess it could have been. And if it, um, your dad was 1917, my dad. So you, his dad, I mean, even Probably if the one that came over. his dad may have been the one that came over in, in pre preparation for World War One, or it may have been a different war is what I'm thinking. It could have been your grandpa that came over? Not my grandpa, my grandpa's no. dad. Yeah, I don't know. That's something maybe we can look into and Auntie figure out next time. Sally has a Bowley family tree, so I think we can <clears> ask <throat> them for that part of the heritage. 
And uh, what did Grandpa Bully do for a living? He was a farmer, um, and then he started the milk road business. He was also involved in politics. I think he was the like treasurer or some office holder for Manitowoc for a while. And he had a, what do you think, progressive kind of thinking if something new came along, like lights and bathrooms and things like that, he put them in his house. What kind of farm? Dairy farm. Dairy farm. Mm -hmm. So he would take the milk all the way from basically cow to customer? How the processor? They did have a processor in Manitowoc, so he would haul the milk into the processor, and then the that was back in the days when you had a milkman who would bring you your glass bottles of milk and set it on your doorstep if you lived in town. Every day. Every day they delivered milk. So isn't that, didn't you say he was part of the dairy delivery business? That not that delivery? He picked the milk up from the farms and took it to the dairy. Uh, okay. Cool. So, um, what about your relationship with your grandparents? Um, well, both my grandmas had passed on before I ever knew them. Uh, my dad's mother died when she was like in her 40s. She probably, I think, had like a burst appendix or something. And uh, Grandpa Bowley, I remember. And Grandpa Bowley was fun then, but he had like 70 grandchildren. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He had, he, Grandpa Bowley had 11 kids, and each of his 11 kids had, we were small with only five. A lot of them had 11, 12, 13, 10. So um, my dad, my grandpa had his picture in the local paper one 4th of July week <laughs> with him in the middle of all of these kids. And that was when he had over 50. But by the time he passed on, he had over 70. Or by the time all of his children got done having babies, if he would have still been living, there were like maybe 73 of us or something. What was his name? Carl. His, it was Charles Bowley and Carl Bowley and my brother's Chuck Bowley, so they're all Charles Bowley. Um, so anyway, I remember Grandpa Bowley fondly, but you know I don't think he knew all of his grandchildren like we know John. Right. You know, um, Grandpa Oswald and again Grandma Oswald had died of cancer before I ever remember ever. I don't even know if she was probably gone before I was born. They were both gone before I was born, I believe. Um, and Grandpa Oswald, I remember being a little scared of. I think everybody kind of walked on eggshells because he could fly off the handle pretty easily. Um, one holiday, as we were all sitting around the table, and Auntie Olive said to Judy or somebody, pass Grandpa the potatoes. Grandpa Oswald blew up at her and said, I'm not your Grandpa, and just yelled at her for referring to him as grandpa and that was kind of the grandpa that he, he just really wasn't um, real rational thinking he would, he would he'd get set off at easy things that was your mom's dad that was my mom's dad yeah my dad wasn't in at the table right then if he would have been at the table I think he would have told grandpa Oswald to apologize I don't think he would have allowed that to happen but he he had stepped out to go milk or do something I don't know he just wasn't there right then. So um, 
you know, I, I remember him relatively fondly, but just with a lot more fear than anything else, I guess. So your dad was real protective of Aunt Olive and of you guys? Yeah, and I think my dad raised us to be very, very respectful, uh, maybe with the thought that if we blow it with Auntie Olive, <laughs> you have five kids to take care of, you know. Everybody respect Auntie Olive. Everybody do what Auntie Olive says. Everybody listen to Auntie Olive, you know, and, and we all did. We all did. Um, my sister Patsy, I think, probably had the hardest time because she was 10 when Mama died, and somebody told her, well, you'll have to, you know, kind of run the house and take care of your brothers and sisters. My dad was upset with that because, no, she's too young. She's not, she's not going to take Mama's place, you know. Don't put that on her. Um, but I think Patsy kind of did try to mother us, much to our resentment. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, and Auntie Olive and Judy bonded so like they were, you know, mother and daughter. And Uncle Happy and Judy bonded. I mean, Judy was two years old, and she was just cute, you know, <laughs> just cute. And so Auntie Olive and Uncle Happy, who never had any kids of their own, really bonded with Judy. And um, the rest of us, you know, I'm sure they loved us, but it wasn't that same kind of bonding. Um, but they were good. I mean, they took good care of us. Auntie Olive, when I think about it, she had this little dollhouse of a farm and, you know, her own life pretty simple and gave up all of that to take care of five kids who had house clothes, barn clothes, school clothes, sheets for five to seven beds. <clears throat> if we had a, a hired man and hers and happies and all the kids and my dad's and no uh, automatic washer and dryer, then you did everything with the ringer wash machine and you hung out on the clothesline in the snow. I remember Auntie Olive hanging clothes. I mean, your fingers had to be so cold hanging there. And then bringing it in after we came home from school, if we, uh, if it was still on the line and we brought it in, they would be frozen stiff and you would stand them up in the front porch area and then they would thaw and finish drying. I mean, it was so cold. The ladies back then worked so hard. And um, Andy Olive could cook. And back then, because Daddy did have 11 brothers and sisters, back then at Christmas time, all the families would come and visit. And there wasn't these phone, cell phones and phone calls and stuff. You just showed up. And I remember one Christmas, Uncle Bobby came and Auntie Elaine, and they had 11 kids. <coughs> the same day, Uncle Pat and Auntie Barbara from Milwaukee drove down, and they had either seven or nine. And the same day, the Wallaches showed up, Uncle Ami yeah, and Aunt Sally, and they had 13. And then there were five of us. And Auntie Olive had enough food to feed everybody. Because you always <laughs> did. You just fed, I mean, anybody came, you always fed them a meal. And I remember her sending me up to the attic and bring the turkey down and bring the ham down and bring the rolls down. So she had planned ahead and knew that this was going to happen sometime over the holidays, and she had cooked all this extra food, and the attic upstairs wasn't heated, so it was just as cold there as a refrigerator. Mm -hmm. So she would just send me up. I remember her sending me up and sending me up time and again for more food, get more food, bring this down. And so we just um, had this wonderful visit, and there were kids all over the place running around, and most of them <laughs> in diapers, and it was a zoo, and the aunts would be visiting, and I mean, it was just part of the Christmas tradition, holiday. It was wonderful.
It was really wonderful. But people who don't understand how Dad and I can have people in our house all the time, and it's just in our heritage. It's one of the things we... Well, in my heritage, anyway. Not so much in your heritage, but in my heritage, was we had people, and we fed them, and they were there all the time. And um, if anybody got trouble with snow on the road, they stayed overnight. You invited them in, and you might not know them, but that's all right. You you fed them, and you gave them a place to sleep. And then morning, you got them out of the snow drift and sent them on their way. But it's it's German heritage. Where were all of your aunts and uncles? Were they all in the area? Were they all Wisconsin, or did they were they coming from all over the north um, country to come visit you guys? Most of them were in the same county. Uncle Pat and Auntie Barbara lived in Milwaukee, so they were probably the furthest. And then Uncle Lovell, the baby of my dad's family, who was probably about two or four when his mother died, he was in the service in the Navy, and he had ended up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so he was there. But I think all of the other aunts and uncles lived in the same county as Mm -hmm. what they had grown up in. And my mother's family, um, one of her sisters had gone out to Albuquerque, New Mexico with her husband, who was also in the Navy. And um, But the rest of her brothers and sisters, she only had um, living two sisters and one brother. They had had more, but two of them died, I think, like little. Back then, a lot of little kids would die. Um, so, And they were in the same county. Did they all do farm stuff, or most of them? The yeah. dairy industry? Yeah, most of them. Uncle, Uncle Ozzy was a farmer. Now, this is Mama's family. Uncle Ozzy was a family, was a farmer. And Uncle Leonard and Auntie Gladys. Uncle Leonard was the son-in-law, and Auntie Gladys was my mama's sister. He was a painter. So they lived in town, and they were considered a little more classy. <laughs> they had more money. and um, By themselves. By the <laughs> well, no. I mean, they they probably did have things a little bit better. And um, like a house painter or a house artist? painter, house a house painter. painter. Yeah, yeah, a house painter. So, and they only had two sons, which was funny because there was Auntie Gladys and Uncle Leonard, and then there was Uncle Ozzy and Auntie Hilda. Those are my, my mother's brother and my sons. mother's sister, and they each had two sons, and they both had a son at the same time. And then both had like 10 or 12 years before they had a second baby. And then they both had a son at the same time again. Oh, my gosh. It was very odd. I mean, it was like, like okay, this one's 18. And now this one is maybe, it might have been about 12, uh, about 12 years between them. This one's six. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how, I never understood quite how that worked because we were too young to figure that out. Figure that out. But they didn't have birth control back then, so I don't know how this happened. That was really strange. <laughs> so, go ahead. Uh, so you said your, you know, some of your aunts and uncles had 11 kids. How do you travel with 11 kids? <laughs> yeah, you get in a car and you sit them on each other's laps and they all fit in the car and there was no seatbelt rule back then. And There were no seatbelts. There were no seatbelts. With all within the county, it's probably I think Uncle Ami had a yeah. station wagon and I think Uncle... Pat and Auntie Barbara had a station wagon. Most people had station wagons. But I don't and Uncle Bobby might have had a station wagon. But there were there was in fact the day that they all showed up, Uncle Pat and Auntie Barbara had to come back because they were on their way back home to Milwaukee and they started counting heads. <laughs> they, they had this one. So they had to come back and pick one up. Oh my gosh. 
So your enduring memory of Grandpa Bully is your dad is as a um, strict father, loving father, gentle. Oh, my dad, very loving, very strong, but very gentle. Um, he would spank us. I don't remember getting spanked. I remember being told, now go get a stick. <laughs> and making us get a stick. And I remember my sister and I asking each other, do you think this stick is big enough? <laughs> Which was the worst punishment, having to get your own stick. Um, and I'm sure he did spank us when we were probably about John's age or something. But I think we learned then that you just do what they say. And then I don't remember ever being spanked at an older age. Um, the one time that he made us get a stick, somebody had broken the basement window and nobody would admit to who did it. So then he said, okay, well then I guess everybody has to get a spanking. And maybe by then Chuck admitted that he had done it or something. I don't know, because I don't remember getting a spanking. Um, gentle, uh, just gentle and loving uh, and I don't remember him ever saying a bad word about anybody. And I think sometimes it was hard uh, with Uncle Happy and Auntie Olive. Um, I think it was hard when Judy started calling Auntie Olive Mama. Hmm. And my sister Patsy was upset and saying, that's not Mama, that's Auntie Olive. But I think Daddy said, Patsy, she's too little to know, it's okay, you know. But Judy did eventually, you know, just call her Auntie Olive like we all did. But Judy thought of her as a mother, and, you know, uh, more than what I ever realized until I was much older. Um, and I think with Uncle Happy, um, whereas I always said my dad never said anything about anybody, I do remember Uncle Happy complaining to us girls that, oh, your dad makes you work so hard. Why doesn't he get a hose there? He should do this. He should do that. And, you know, it wasn't Uncle Hap's place to talk, talk about my dad and in that manner. And I didn't see all of that until I was older, and I realized, oh, you know, that must have been somewhat undermining and probably hard on my dad. But my dad didn't retaliate. He didn't. He just did. He was a good, good man, a real good man. you guys have any more questions about Grandpa Bully right now? Uh, yeah, I was wondering... How, do you know how old Grandpa Bully was when he got married? I'm just trying to get a timeline. As my dad? How my yeah. dad? How old my dad was? He was in his 20s. I think he was maybe 24 or so. Seems pretty late back then, right? Mm, I think they were all about in their 20s at that point when they got married. I think all of his brothers and sisters were in their 20s. As I look at the wedding pictures, mm -hmm. I think they were all in their 20s. Um, the Bowley family was maybe a little more educated than a lot of the families. Grandma Bowley had a college degree or a teacher's certificate, however you got that back then. And um, there was a lot of book learning and value in books and education. Um, and so I think the kids, too, were just encouraged that, you know, you're going to f certainly finish high school and so, therefore, and you'd get a job before you would get married. There was that sense of responsibility. So, uh, I don't think any of them got married real young. Okay. Yeah, I think uh, sometime later I'm going to want to come back to a little bit more about Auntie Olive and Uncle Happy, but I've got later on we'll go through your early lives and school and home life and things like that, and I think we'll get into it a little bit more back then, about then. But... Uh, 
some questions about Grandpa Mueller. Do you know where he came from, uh, what he did? My grandpa? No, I'm sorry, your father. My father. Yeah. Uh, my father was born in Two Rivers, Wisconsin. One of a family of uh, four. He had a brother and two sisters, and he had an adopted brother. Uh, but as the story has it, Grandma was coming home from cleaning the store one night, and uh, it was uh, during the Depression. And my young lady was going to throw this baby over the bridge. And Grandma said, give him to me. I'll take care of him. This was during the Depression, and I heard, heard stories that Grandma had to go to the grocery store and get whatever bananas that were too ripe for them to sell. Yeah, she, she'd get the uh, fruit that they couldn't, wouldn't sell anymore and cut the rotted spots off, and that's what they ate. That's how poor they were, and yet she took in this baby. They had vegetable soup. <laughs> put it in water and cook it up, and you had vegetable soup, and that's what they ate. So anyhow, that's how Uncle Doc came to be. He was the only one that went to college, was a NCA referee. Wow. And uh, pretty much the success story of the whole family. And uh, all because Grandma kept them from being thrown in the East Twin River one night on the way home from work. So my family isn't as glorious as your mother's. <laughs> Uh, my father was my my grandfather was first generation over here. He came over from Hamburg, Germany, and uh, I believe met my mother over here. Her name was Ella Coles, K O H L S. Uh, we lived on the poor side of town, the poor side of town. Was she German yeah. as well? And Coles was German also, yes. Uh, never, never heard anything about any relatives before then. So that almost makes me think the Coles were over here first generation also. Uh, Grandpa, I remember very, very little of him. William, what's his name? William Mueller, same as my dad. Different myth. Uh, he had no middle initial. My dad had a middle initial. E for Eugene. Um, the only thing I remember, I don't know if we sat and ate at the table with him a handful of times in my life. When we came home, he was always laying either drunk or passed out in, in the parlor on the couch. I don't think he was happy. He worked at a local factory, sweeping floors. Uh, would stop at the tavern on his way home on Friday and spend most of his paycheck. Grandma had to uh, 
scrub floors at local supermarket. And uh, then they would let her go through the, the bins of uh, vegetables that they threw out as part of her pay. Uh, she pretty much raised the family. And uh, Grandpa went to work every day and drank up his paycheck. I guess they still do it nowadays, probably for baiting bears. But back then, the local bakeries, after a day or two, they would take the uh, baked goods and, and throw them in the, the uh, old flour bags and sell them for a pittance. When I remember doing it when we were growing up, there was, it was a dollar a bag for a hundred pound flour bag of bakery. Back then it was probably pennies. That's where the bakery would come from. And then uh, somewhere along the line, Grandma got a couple chickens. And so then she'd feed the chickens uh, some of the vegetables she's got from the store and uh, bakery. And that, then they would have eggs. So that was their protein. But that's what she did. She scrubbed floors and she'd take her money and buy bags of used bakery and bring home the vegetables that they couldn't sell anymore and uh, clean them up and make vegetable soup and feed her chickens with the rest. And We didn't go over very often to visit, but when we did go over, uh, Grandma would be sitting in a rocking chair and Mom and Dad would sit out there and talk with her and Grandma would either set us up in winter, we'd set us up in the kitchen. Kids would sit around the table and we'd have a glass of water and, and a cookie that was hard as a rock. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, she, she had a, a metal kettle that hung in the stairwell that uh, had all of her goodies that she'd scavenged out of the bakery bags. This was, yeah, this was 50s. This was in the 50s. That was your grandma Ella? Mm-hmm. Ella, yeah. Was it typical for the uh, grandmother, to, for, the, for the wife to work as well? Not during those days. The man worked and supported yeah. the family and the woman stayed home and took care of the kids. The grandma had to work, otherwise we'd have starved to death because that was the money that we lived off of. Grandpa must have paid well, the mortgage. You said we, but you meant that your that dad. Dad lived off of. Now, Grandpa must have had enough sense, I think, to pay the mortgage because they owned the house that they lived in. So he must have paid the mortgage with his paycheck because I can't imagine Grandma making enough money doing that. But she basically took care of all the household needs. And, uh, and we would sit... In winter, we'd sit at the table and we'd sit on the back porch in summer with our glass of water and our four hard cookies or three hard cookies, how many ever of us there were. And uh, I always remember, everybody's just always, Shh, don't wake Grandpa. He's tired. Don't wake him, he's tired. As I got older, I, I knew he wasn't tired. He's just drunk or sleeping one off. And, um, what did your dad do? Did your dad go to school? My dad graduated from high school. 
and then uh, World War II was uh, broken up and he went into the army. Uh, he was a uh, 82nd Airborne paratrooper. Do you know where he was? Where he was over? There? I never made it over there. No, he never made it over there. Uh, he went into the army as infantry. Then they asked for volunteers for paratrooper school, and he volunteered for that. And he went through paratrooper school. Then they asked for volunteers for Pathfinder. That was the radio men that they dropped in behind enemy lines ahead of our troops as they were going in. And he volunteered for that. And he learned the Morse codes and all the different codes and how to operate the equipment. And uh, as he was getting ready to ship out, uh, the war ended. He never got shipped out of the States. Did he know your mother at that point? No, he met mother when he came back. When he came back, there wasn't much work. And uh, my mother's father owned a farm. And dad went over there and worked as a hired man, a dairy farm. And he worked for Tony Boogler on the dairy farm. And that's where he met his daughter and eventually married her. Fell in love with the farmer's daughter. <laughs> Do you know what your grandfather's family did over in Germany or what, what he came from? Nothing about I that? Nothing about it. Okay. Other than that he came from Hamburg, Germany. I don't know where grandma came from, where okay. the Poles came from. So what about your mom? Um, well, I don't know much about her side of the family either. My grandmother... Was the Jindra? Was what? Jindra, J-I-N-D-R-A. She was a local, local girl. Not exactly sure how she met Grandpa. I don't think I ever heard that story. Everybody was so private back then. They didn't talk much. They didn't hear, hear much about the past. So there were rumors that there was Indian blood involved in Grandpa's side of the family. And French. French. Uh, B-U-G-L-E-R, Bugler was his name. E-R? E-R. 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 And uh, some Bohemian grandma. Uh, Bugler had Bohemian on her side of the family in German. Uh, there were two daughters, my mother and her sister Donna, of Santa mm. Donna, who just died. Wow. Uh, there was... There were three brothers all together. Tony was one. And the other two lived up north somewhere. I probably met them sometime in my lifetime, but I don't remember them. And Grandma's side of the family, I don't know if she had any siblings. I don't know if the Gingers had any siblings. The interesting thing that I thought about Grandma and Grandpa Boogler is that when Grandma and Grandpa Boogler got married, they lived in on the Boogler farm. And so Grandpa Boogler's mother lived with them. And so as a newlywed, she moved into this house with her mother-in-law, and her mother-in-law lived um, until you were in service? Did she die when you were in high school or in service? She probably died when I was in high school. So... Grandma Boogler got married, lived with her mother-in-law. All the while, she raised the family and had grandchildren. 
before the mother-in-law died. And then, as a grandmother, was the first time she lived in the house with her husband without anybody else in the house. But wow. that different than today. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. There were four bedrooms upstairs. There's a brick house that had uh, a kitchen, living room, uh, kitchen, living room, and a bathroom, but I don't know if it was always a bathroom because there was an outhouse there that was uh, used all the time on a regular basis. Uh, during the day, you went out in the outhouse. Uh, at night, the bathroom was more or less for using at night when you needed to go to the bathroom. Because I do remember when they had to tear up the drain field on the septic tank because they were having problems with the septic tank. Uh, their washer and dryer, the washer and dryer, the wash machine, which was an old agitator wash machine with a ringer on it, was out in the garage uh, in a little roomed off part of the garage that had a wood burner in it. So in winter you could have the wood burner running so you'd have heat out there. Grandma too always hung the clothes outside. Never had a there was never a dryer in that house until Donna moved in there and then Donna bought him uh, a dryer to put downstairs in the basement. But they never had a dryer until then. That was the house of your grandmother? My mother's parents. Which is the one mm -hmm. that Aunt Donna still lived in now. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that was the, the same thing. That was the Boogler Farm. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was the Boogler Farm at the end of the driveway there. Mm -hmm. Now at the end of the driveway. So that was where your dad met your mom? Mm-hmm. That was the farm he worked on and met mother. Wow. It's that neat. building had a lot of history that mm -hmm. we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And in fact, when Bill married Betty... It was a great commotion. That was another thing. She was Catholic, and uh, he wasn't. He was Lutheran. Had been Lutheran, and then they had changed to Christian Scientist. And so when uh, Dad married Mother, uh, that was pretty... She didn't exist anymore, hardly, as far as her parents were concerned. She's excommunicated wow. from the Catholic Church. And... Uh, she was on her own, and uh, I was the saving grace. When I was born, then was, they started talking. Because uh, in that back then, if you married a Catholic, or if a Catholic got married to somebody who wasn't a Catholic, you would become excommunicated, and your parents and your family weren't to talk to you, nothing, to do, nothing to do with you, which lasted for mother until dad was born. And then the grandparents must have said, enough with this, and we're going to have a relationship with our daughter and our grandson. Grandpa probably said, enough of this. That's what I was going to ask. Was it a struggle for uh, your grandparents, or was it pretty easy for them to make a cut and say, this isn't... I don't know. I wasn't around. I just heard the stories. Heard, and even Donna. Donna was not welcoming of right. us yeah. for years and years. I remember that, that she would leave. She would go up to her room and we'd come over and we were there. She would have nothing to do with us. How old were you at this point? Years. I was probably just a young child, maybe not even in school yet. Aunt Donna. When, go ahead. when we were older, and I remember Aunt Donna would come home from Milwaukee once in a while where she was a nurse, and she would take us to the movies. Maybe once a year we'd go to the movies. That's the only time we went to the movies. Mom and Dad never took us to the movies. Aunt Donna would take us to the movies 
And it seemed like once a year, maybe it was every other year, whatever. But it was always a big event because we'd go to the movies and we'd get soda and we'd get popcorn and it was, it was always some kind of Disney thing she'd take us to see. Antonio was the younger sister? Younger sister. Yeah. By seven years. So when Betty and Bill got married, Donna would have been like maybe 13, 14, 15. Pretty impressionable and ah. pretty idealistic. And you're a Catholic and you're doing the intense. worst thing now by leaving your faith. And so it took her a long time to get beyond that. Mm-hmm. And my dad and mother, Donna never got along with that. I don't think even on my mother's deathbed they had words to say. I don't know. I think my mother died never talking to Donna probably. So how did it come about that you were going to movies with them? With her? I don't know. Maybe that was something that she was encouraged to do. Well, I think Aunt Donna, when she was nursing, she lived in many different places and at one time she never did get married, but at one time she was close to getting married, and he was of the Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think she had a few life experiences that softened her a little bit and put her in a more understanding position about how you can love somebody and make a choice like that. Although she didn't make that choice, I think it softened her heart a little bit towards somebody else who did make that choice. Yeah, I never know how that happened. Because I remember when we used to come over and she would... Uh, either be on her way out of the house as we were coming in or she'd go up to her room and uh, wouldn't we wouldn't see her all the while we were there. We'd know she was there, but we would never see her. And I always think too, kid growing up, you don't think much of it and then all of a sudden it starts, wait a minute, she's either walking out the door as we're walking in or she's upstairs and never comes down. Did she ever move out of that house, or did she just stay? Oh yeah, she moved out of the house. She was, she was head nurse in Boston and Milwaukee, and quite it might even been in California. She traveled around the country, and uh, traveled around the world. She'd take trips. She went to Jerusalem for sure. Oh yeah, like that. I mean, she worked around all around the country in major, always in metropolitan areas and major hospitals. Hmm. Uh, but then at the end, she ended up in Milwaukee, and that's where. She spent probably the majority of her career. But she was uh, well thought of in, in her profession for her ability and her, her knowledge and skill. So. Was her name actually. Um, oh, never mind. I was Donna May Boogler. Donna May. M A Y? M A E. And Grandma Boogler was Mamie. Mamie. And uh, Tony and Mamie. M-A-M-I-E? I think M-A-M-I-E. And Betty, was it Betty what? What was your mother's name? Yeah, I know it. I have that written down somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you? So, uh, when you were growing up, did your mother work? Uh, no, not till after we all left the house. And then she did bookkeeping for someone for a little while. She didn't work all those months, and then I think she got sick after. She only worked for a very short period of time, a couple of years maybe, part-time as a bookkeeper, because she always did all dad's books for his businesses that he had. Uh, but all the while that we grew up, she stayed at home. 
Dad worked. She stayed at home. What did Grandpa do? Um, when he first got out of the military, like I said, he worked on the farm, and then from there he, he became a fireman for a while. He was passed the fireman's test and uh, was stationed on the tour of his fire department. And then he started selling cars, used cars. And he sold Packards and Hudsons and Fords. I think it might have been a multi-car dealership. And then uh, it ended up being Fords, Terp. Terp Ford and Two Rivers. And then Erdman bought them out after a while. And he worked for Erdman Ford. And then in about 63, maybe 62 or 63, he opened his own used car lot in Michigan. I was probably in eighth grade. Because when I was in ninth grade in high school, then I could get out of school early and go wash cars in the afternoon. He'd pick me up from school and take me over there and I'd wash and clean detail cars every afternoon and Saturdays. That was used cars or new cars? Used cars, all used cars. Any any kind of brand or? Any kind of brand. It was just a used car lot, any kind of brand. And then from there, uh, there was a bank, uh, two buildings down the street that he would walk people in and co-sign for them so that they could get loans to buy cars. And uh, once uh, Marie, Betty Marie was my mother's name. Where'd that come from? I don't know. <laughs> you thought she might have the answer, otherwise, if you didn't get it no, first. No, I saw her come out of the door, and Marie hit me right in. It was Betty Marie. Uh, the banker one day asked him, uh, we had to take back a house. It needs a lot of work. Would you be interested in buying it? And it was $1,000. He said, well, I don't have the money. He said, would you loan me the money? Sure, we'll loan you the money. And uh, so he got his first house, and we went out there. And my first taste of construction was he would tell us what to take apart, and we'd take it apart, and then we'd take all the nails out, and we'd straighten them, and we'd put them in coffee cans according to size and type. And that's how I, I started. And we fixed that house up, and uh, that ended up with 20, 20 some houses that way that either realtors really? or come to him, ask them. Yeah. The so tavern and apartment building next door, Shire, the realtor, came and uh, said, it's for sale, and I can get it for you for this price, but you got to leave my brother John stay in there. His brother ran the tavern. He says, you got to let him stay in there as long as he can work it. So once he doesn't have it anymore, you can close the tavern down, because Dad never drank. Your dad never drank? No. He said after he saw what his dad did, he could never drink. He couldn't take a chance that he'd be turn out like that. So if he was buying a house for $1,000, what would a house normally go for? Was he, he had 20 houses that he would fix up and sell again? He would fix them up and he'd rent them out. And uh, the dad said that was his first house, but that he meant his first house as a rental. By then, he owned your family house, mm-hmm. had a mortgage on your place. Yeah. So He, he owned the building that... The used car garage was in. He owned the family farm and the farm across the road. At one time, he had owned four farms in the area, or 
he didn't own them, the bank owned them, but he had possession of four farms that he was farming. So Dad was a big Oh, success. we forgot about farming. My dad was a farmer in there too. Okay, that's what I was wondering. <laughs> but when you say he owned the family farm, that's not where we went to visit every year. That was a different property. That was across the road. Okay, that's right. I the farm across the road. He must have been, he was farming while he was selling cars. So I think he bought the farm probably about the time that he maybe started selling used cars. And he was farming uh, and during the day maybe and selling used cars at night and then uh, would split that up because farming, there were times of the year that it was fairly intense, but there were times of the year that there were slack times. And he was never a real prosperous farmer. He made more money selling cars than he did farming. Farming what? Uh, he had a dairy farm. We had some pigs, small group of pigs. Uh, always had ducks and chickens and things like that for our own consumption. Had some horses for pleasure. Uh, a lot of these farms that he had, uh, he would start uh, selling the hay off of it. I remember having, uh, he went out and bought a baler and he would bale hay for uh, surrounding farmers and then we would make hay and uh, of course all these farms had barns on them so he would make hay and store the hay in the barns and then he would sell it and I remember him coming with semis and loading these semis up with hay and hauling it off out west. So it sounds like at that time, he could make a fairly decent living as a car salesman. Yeah, I think he did pretty well as a car salesman. Seems like he went from there to dealership owner, and he owned the building. Where did he? How did he put together the finances for that? Uh, did he start off with the loan and pay it off? Or? Yeah, he started off everything. Dad never had cash to buy anything, you know, but he always. I think he had always good relationships with the banks from uh, working with people and sometimes people would sting him when he co-signed for a car and then he'd have to pay for it and mm -hmm. they'd go take the car back. Uh, but 99% of the people I think were always good and always paid. They just didn't have enough credit to do what they wanted to do and he would sign for them and then they would, they'd make good on their loan and pay it off and, and he became uh, pretty good friends with the bankers. And so when he wanted to buy something, uh, they would always extend him money because there wasn't all the paper trail that you had to do now. You just, you knew the banker and if the banker trusted you, he would give you money and if it was a large amount of money, you'd go in front of the board and the board usually knew you too and, and you just got money. Did he have employees? I mean, he's running a farm and a car dealership. I'm assuming he had employees at the dealership or at the farm or did he do he it had, all himself? He had me. <laughs> oh, well, and this is explaining a lot. Joe Samps. Remember Joe Samps? Yeah, yeah. Joe Samps was his mechanic. Okay. And then Jerry Holliday, uh, no, Florian Rohr at first, was his first body man he, in his body shop. What was his name? Florian Rohr. And then he quit and he opened up Rohr's Auto Body and a used car lot. So what he learned by that, he went and became competition. Mm. And then Jerry Holliday came along. Was Dad upset about that when he opened up his own place? At first, yeah. At first, he, at first he was, but then I remember him going with Florian to the auto auction. And they, they bought cars and they would drive each other's cars back, and uh, so they were civil enough that they did that. I don't know if Dad gave any out great 
trade secrets or anything for you <laughs> after that incident. And Jerry Holliday came, and Jerry Holliday, when he came in, boy, Florian couldn't have been there long. Because I was probably only a sophomore at this time. Well, it would have been two years. And uh, he would ask me, can you help me with this? And he helped me with that. And pretty soon I was, Jerry was pounding out the dents and I was doing the grinding and the sanding on them. And then he taught me how to tape. And pretty soon he was just straightening things out. And, and I was doing all the prep work and getting them ready. And he was painting them. And that's where I learned how to paint. And then Jerry Holliday went and worked for a Ford dealer in Appleton, I think. He went and uh, maybe even ran the body shop there. And I became the body shop. What were your brothers and sisters doing at this time? They were younger, but how much? Well, I'm not really sure. Uh, I guess Dave stayed around the farm and maybe did some of the things on the farm that needed to be done. Uh, the girls never did anything. They rode their horses. And my brother Pete... Uh, That's something. I'd love to ask. I think he got a job in town doing something. He might have went to a grocery store and worked or something. Okay. And uh, by that time, um, you did... I, I was the only one that worked at the garage. Yeah. But your dad didn't farm as much... No, the farm got to the point where the horses were all we had and, it, and a milking cow. Okay. And that was... Yeah, Dave milk. Dave would do the milking. So he so, kind of did stuff around the farm. But yeah, as the, as the car dealership became more successful, the farm became less and less. My dad sold one farm off, uh, half of it to his sister, Auntie Violet, and the other half he sold off to another gentleman that bought it and built a house on it and just wanted the land. And uh, another farm that we had, uh, Dad subdivided. He put a road in it and then sold lots off of it and uh, sold sold all the stuff along the road, uh, lots. And then the stuff that was behind that got to the point where it was landlocked, he sold to the neighboring farmer. There were maybe 20 acres that were long, skinny 20 alongside his land, and, and he bought that. And... Uh, in the woods, uh, we would contract with Eggers plywood and uh, cut logs in winter and pull them out. They'd come and pick them up with their trucks with the big hooks on and the logging trucks. And quite a uh, quite a corporation going and there. The, the firewood got cut up and that got sold. We used some of it and the rest was sold. We had, we had a wood burning stove in the kitchen uh, for years, and that's what heated the house basically. Kitchen was the warm room. His dad was very successful financially, better off financially than what we were, I would think. Um, I think your dad had more money than my dad had. And I think he was driven because they were so poor when he was a kid. And the story that I remember was his high school reunion. Yeah. Were they? They were... I don't know if they were looking and they were talking about they wanted to give away a, a big TV or something, but they didn't know how they were going to pay for it. And Dad said, I'll pay for it. So just go pick up whatever you want and I'll pay for it. But he tells the stories where he was walking home and the kids would throw stones at him and call him names. And 
in winter, they take cardboard and slide it in their shoes because there were holes at the bottom of their shoes. But they couldn't afford to get new shoes. So. But we stopped in the night Dad was getting dressed to go to that class reunion. And I can still see him adjusting his tie and putting his suit coat on, and he looked so nice. And He said, yeah, now the kids will see those kids who laughed at me. I'm the one that bought that TV and donated it. And I just felt so bad for Dad because I thought, oh, Dad, you know, it's been 50 years and you're such a successful man for you still to feel like you have to prove yourself to, to anybody. Now, no one in that area, at least back then, could have been that... Uh, were they that wealthy, or was he? I mean, they were—they weren't wealthy, and, and they were. And your father was even at a different level than that. He was even poorer than that. Mm-hmm. Was he like the poorest in a in a, not a very wealthy area? I would say pretty much they were, but a lot of the reason they were is because Grandpa drank up everything. Mm. I'm sure if he had brought his paycheck home, and they would have used it the way other people on the street did, that they would have had. They would have had more. But they were. The, the east side was poor. And the east side along the river was the poorest. And uh, the further down, 14th and 15th and 16th Street you got, the cheaper and smaller and more dilapidated the houses got. And, and that's where he lived, the second house from the end of 14th Street. That's, uh, the Bonies. Bonies lived next door. They were in the last house. Franz Myers lived a couple blocks up the street. They were a little better off. But yeah, Dad just never, he never, I don't think he ever got to the point where he felt he was successful enough to stop. Uh, if he had a, a small diamond tie tack, they need to get one as big as your little fingernail and put that in his tie. And if he had a, a diamond ring, he'd get a diamond ring that had a cluster of diamonds in it. And, and uh it was just always bigger and better. And Fancy car. Mecklenburg jeweler loved him. Boy, he bought jewelry. But it was all outward way to say, see, I'm successful. He was successful. He, he owned tons of property. And then he retired at 50 years old and lived off his, his investments, sold off his properties one at a time. And he retired from the car dealership? Car dealership, or? closed it. Wow. How many properties? Well, part of the reasons he closed it was uh, in 1974, was it? The EPA had a big push on pollution. Hmm. And uh, was the EPA, and who would have been in charge of the number of bathrooms that handicapped and all stuff like this? Anyhow, the government had a, had a great big push to, to get all these businesses in line, and basically... His little one bathroom garage, well that wasn't gonna be it. He's gonna have to have you're gonna have to be handicapped bathrooms and there's gonna have to be male and female and and uh, he had a building that was worth fifty thousand dollars and uh, when they got done telling him what he was gonna all have to do or close down, he had over a hundred thousand dollars worth of repairs that he'd have to do the building to stay in business. He quit. And he shut it down. At the end of the year he shut it down. How many properties did he own? You said he had bought 20 properties like throughout his I think career. he had about 24 or 26 properties. He owned them all at one time and then he sold them off or yeah. he rented them out? At the when same... he quit, quit the garage, he had those properties. Wow. And he paid them off with the rents. The, the banks would get the rents. I, I think part of his deal, and 
in the beginning was, I'll buy them if you'll loan me the money and I'll give you my rent money. And if it's not rented, then you don't get paid. But when it's rented, you get paid. And they were fine with that. And, and that's what he did. He just took his rents every month down to the bank and gave them to the bank and they put them against the properties. And but back then, the banker really was a community man. And when Dad and I got married, it was because we could, I mean, we could go to a bank and, and get a mortgage because he was a Bowley. I mean, he was a Mueller and I was a Bowley and they knew the Mueller name and they knew the Bowley name. And so we were a good risk and they would give us a mortgage. Well, the first house we bought was, Dad had it, uh, and it was appraised that uh, it was worth $9,900. And he said, I'll give you a $1,000 wedding present. And he sold it to us for 8900 and we walked to the bank two doors down and sat down and filled out the paperwork, and we had a seven-year mortgage. Hmm. In seven years, the house was paid off. $135 a month. Oh. We rented out the upstairs. <laughs> which which it house was It was a two-family house. The one our, next to the Yankum Inn? I don't know if you're familiar with that. Our first house was in Michicot, Wisconsin, right next door. The oh, yeah, I do remember. It's a two-story house, the upstairs. In fact, Dad got started on selling us the house because the upstairs renter had given him notice that they were going to move out. Yeah. And so he was going to have to find a new renter. And then he thought, well, maybe John and Mary would like to rent there. And then he thought, well, maybe they'd like the house. And he said, I'll give you a 1000 off for a wedding present. And mm -hmm. then as it turned out, the upstairs renter decided to stay. It's a big discount. The downstairs renter moved out. <laughs> and the downstairs, house. And the downstairs renter moved out, so we moved in to the downstairs. Yep. And then we put a garage on it. Mm -hmm. Driveway. Yeah. Insulated the house, new siding, new roof. That wasn't far from Joe Sampson's house, or Joe's... Uh, right across the street Sam's. from Sam's. Yeah, Sam's. Joe, Joe worked for his dad and lived above the garage. Joe rented okay. from Dad Miller. Yeah, Joe used to... Joe Sam's owned that building. They sold their farm, they bought the case dealership. That was used to be the case dealership. And Joe came on hard times and uh, he was about ready to lose it. The bank was about ready to take, take the business when Dad came and Joe, he and Joe worked out a deal and he bought it from Joe Samps with the idea that Joe could live upstairs. So Joe raised his six kids, Joe and Audrey. Raised their six kids upstairs. And Audrey would hide her daughters when John was in town. She was in the hide and seek thing. <laughs> <laughs> that was much later, man. They're getting too far ahead in the story. Yeah, so... Uh, Bring me back to where you want me. So, uh, Grandpa's retired... Uh, was Grandma already getting sick at this time, or? <sighs> it was pretty darn close, because Grandpa retired and then started building that house across the street, and Grandma never lived long enough to get into that house. And it took us probably a year and a half to build that house. No, not yet, honey. Grandma died when we lived in Newton. So we were yeah. at Michicot for five years, at Reef Smells for five years. So did Dad? That's right. So there must have been a period of time when Dad just said he didn't work for anyone. I think he just worked his rental apartments. Yeah, just did his rentals. He he sold the garage, but he did his rentals. Mm-hmm. His mother died in '81, so we would have started building the house probably in about. 80 maybe, 79 or 80. We started building, oh, he started building his he house. He started building his house, mm -hmm. probably in 80. Well, yeah, he started building it before Julie died. 
because that house was already framed up when I went there to work on it. Just a long build, maybe? Yeah, well, he built it himself, basically. Uh, Dave and I, my brother Dave and I, went over there and helped him. Wow, the house was enormous. Yeah, yeah. it was very large. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, he and Mum designed it to yeah. overlook the pond, and Mum never actually got to move in it. Never got to move in it. She died before the house was finished. Probably moved in in, in summer. She died in spring. How was she sick? Cancer. 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 Colon cancer. And we could see, now again, they were Christian scientists. Christian scientists don't go to doctors. And that was her choice. That was fine. We could see that she wasn't doing well and she was working with her Christian science faith to, to handle it. And she didn't want anybody really to know or to be talking about it. And when she finally did go to the doctor and the doctor told them what the test showed, Dad was so upset that the doctor had said those terrible things um, because he said that she had probably a couple months. And this, and I think he was saying, now these are your choices, but statistically, you know, I think the doctor thought he was doing the right thing, but Dad took it. You're talking gloom and you're preaching death to me and I don't want to hear that. But she was from November till... She died in February or March? March. March, March 25th, Pete tells me. On Nancy and Grandma's birthday. Grandma Boogler's birthday was 25th of March. Uh, your Aunt Nancy, Nisit, out in California, is 25th of March. And Mother died on the 25th of March. So her sister is a very successful nurse. Mm -hmm. What does she think about? So they weren't talking, so... Do you know what she thought about the fact that she was very sick but wouldn't go to Well, Mother a wrote a note saying, I have full capacity of my mental facilities, and if anybody says anything, this is my choice. I think Mother was concerned that maybe Aunt Donna would you know, go off the deep end that you refused to take my sister for medical treatment. And um, she was very, very clear. This is my choice. I don't want these treatments. And if anybody has any questions... Be it known that this is my choice. Mm -hmm. I think there was concern that Dad could have to fight. Have to fight in court. So everything was drawn up pretty clearly. So yeah, my side of the family is pretty short and sweet. No, your side of the family is amazing. It has just as many amazing stories. I mean, yeah, just, it started off with an amazing story with Uncle Doc and. Then Grandpa was just mm -hmm. unstoppable. Uncle Buckshot, uh, Uncle, uh, mm -mm, it's there. Uh, well, I say Bernard, but that isn't right. There was a B in it. Your dad's brother. Uh, yeah. They call him Buckshot. Buckshot, yeah. Went to Durand, Wisconsin, and opened up a tavern, and died in his fifties, early fifties. Drank himself to death. Did you know him that well? Uh, we went there t just a few times. I, I remember the building. Uh, we went there two or three times, maybe. Uh, I don't know if they ever came to see us. The tavern was a seven-day-a-week job. We just never left it. What did your Aunt Violet do? 
on the toilet. Uh, and Uncle Henry. Uncle Henry worked at Miro Aluminum for 40 years. They both worked? No. No. And Violet stayed home. And then Aunt Dorothy, uh, her husband Joe Arndt, uh, ran a bus company, ran the school bus company, and then opened up a body shop. Well, actually, he started his body shop because he had to fix the dents in the school buses from his drivers, and then they ended up selling the, either selling the bus company or the, the uh, city school district went to buying their own buses. I'm not exactly sure how that transitioned. But then he had the body shop and everything and, and just went into a full-time body shop because they had frame racks for straightening out frames on the buses and everything else. So yeah. he went there. Dorothy never worked. Never worked outside the house. They had five children. Violet and Henry, let's see. There's Alan, George, Paul, uh, James and Glenn. There's five there. Glenn was adopted. So the adoption thing continues. Probably the same type of situation, that they knew somebody who needed help. Yeah, I think it was. I never got the whole deal. In fact, I didn't know till I was probably in high school that Glenn was adopted. But he looked different than all the rest. <laughs> <laughs> he was a big, burly football-type guy, and everybody else was small. Uncle Henry was... You would be a, a Earl. giant. Like Earl. Earl like yeah. Earl. I like your Uncle Henry. He <laughs> <laughs> was just a little, tiny, slender, wiry man. And the kids were all the same. And Aunt Violet was a, a tinier lady. She wasn't a big lady. And no. their kids were all smaller. Uh, James... Just barely got into the army. He was five one or something. Like you had to wow. be five foot <laughs> to get in. He was a little guy. Five nice. he was, one. He was just nice. at the cutoff. Whoa. He was almost too short, he couldn't get into the army. But such nice people. Uncle Henry and Auntie Violet, gentle folk and nice and they just smile with their eyes and the boys were all so nice. They were nice, very, nice family. Very nice people. And you know your cousin almost. Tony? They, Tony and, and his wife Gracie live in Seattle. They have one daughter named, I forget, but this, they just had a son. That's a and they named, name. They, say, they named the son Henry. But it wasn't, I guess, necessarily after Uncle Henry. They just liked the name. <laughs> totally unrelated to this. Wait, so how many brothers and sisters did your dad have? He had uh, a brother and two sisters and a stepbrother. Okay. There were five. Adopted, Adopted brother. brother. Yeah. Adopted brother. That's right, adopted master. Now, yeah. Grandpa, you said that Grandpa went off into the army and then came back and then met Grandma, and then I guess they got married shortly after when they were in their mid twenties or so. And they were in their twenties. I'm not exactly sure what the time frame was between. I think maybe Dad had to go get the job at the fire department or something, or get get a job that made a little more money. I think there might have been an issue about, still about the financial well-being because uh, Grandpa evidently was pretty well off financially. Uh, he, he was instrumental in, in funding or getting financing for the, the clinic, the medical Grandpa clinic. Okay. Grandpa Boogler. And uh, although you'd never know it because he's just 
he would never tell you about anything that he would or wouldn't have. He always drove. Well, always used cars. And I never knew him to have a new car. His truck was always a piece of junk. When the body rusted off of it, then he'd buy a replacement truck. But uh, there'd be patches on that thing. and Never drove anything fancy. Must have saved every penny he made. But uh, as you get to know more and more about the things he funded and the influence he had in the community, evidently there was a little bit of money there. So some poor kid from the east side of town probably had to prove himself a little bit that he would could take care of his daughter, Tony's daughter, in the style he expected her to be taken care of him. Especially if he wasn't Catholic. And wasn't, wasn't Catholic, Catholic on top of it. There's just a whole lot of things yeah, I mean, going against him. Did he really end up, how could he have ever proven himself to Grandpa Boogler if he wasn't Catholic? I mean, did that, the fact that he went to make money, did that make it somehow okay? I, I don't okay? know if Grandpa was that... Grandpa was not a stern not, Catholic. I think Grandma was more the Catholic. Hmm. Uh, and, and I'm kind of just guessing on a lot of this because nothing was ever said. But Because uh, I never thought Grandpa had anything either. I thought everybody was church, church most poor there. Uh, just from the vehicles he drove. And, you know, the farm was always in nice and good repair, but you never saw from the clothes he wore or from the cars he drove or anything else like that that he'd have money. He did have a nice piece of property there. I mean, yeah, it was beautiful piece of property. A, a good-sized farm. Yeah. Uh, Dad started with a 40-acre farm, and Grandpa had 120, I think, then. So that was that was a big farm. When Dad got finished, he had 320. When he in his in his Haiti. Of, and I, I think of that too, and I think back to the, the bigger diamonds and the diamond ring and all that. That was just, I'll show you. You have 120, I'll have 320. Whereas, uh, were your aunts and uncles as driven as your dad? Uh, well, Uncle Buckshot, like I say, he just drank himself to death. Uh, Doc, he uh, was the NCAA uh, basketball referee. And a teacher. And teacher. a teacher, taught in Milwaukee. Coached basketball and was a referee, NCAA referee. So you didn't see him that much because Milwaukee to Two Rivers was an hour and a half away without good roads. And they didn't, yeah, back then you didn't, it was a huge trip to go to Milwaukee. You didn't go to Milwaukee, yeah. yeah. Where did and Grandpa then, fall on the line of oh, kids? Grandpa was second youngest. Hmm. Violet would have been youngest. And, uh, Buckshot would have been the oldest. Doc, Doc was maybe right around Dad's age. Hmm. So it might have been Violet, and from the bottom up, Violet, Dad, and then Dwayne, and then Dorothy and Buckshot. Uh, Clarence. Buckshot's <laughs> name was Clarence. <laughs> <laughs> Clarence. Um, Bill and Betty, and Ruth and Carl, Different years, but they all got married on May 15th. My parents' anniversary and John's parents' anniversary are the same day. And Mary's cool. sister and my sister are the same birthday. Amy and, and Sandy. My ours, our, our Carl was born on Grandpa Bully's birthday and on Grandma and Grandpa Boogler's 49th wedding anniversary. Wedding anniversary, 25th. Yeah. What are the odds? Calculator. 25th November. 
So, uh, give me a question. So, um, <laughs> I've, I've heard the story, but it was a long time ago, and I don't know if everyone else knows of uh, Grandpa Mueller's finger. He was loading a horse onto a... Uh, when they got into horses, then Nancy and... Also known as Nasit. Uh, your Aunt Nancy is not Nancy anymore. She's Nasit. She's changed her name. Oh, cool. We'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, Dad had an old cattle truck that he had bought that uh, they'd load the horses in to go to horse shows because Amy and Nancy were into barrel racing and pole bending or whatever mm -hmm, they do mm -hmm. with the horses. The dragon. And so Dad got had was buying quarter horses because those are the best for doing these things. And they each had their quarter horse and he would load them up on the weekends and take them to the different events and they'd compete. And he was loading a horse and walking it up the ramp into the truck. And I don't know if it didn't want to come or if it spooked or what happened, but anyhow, the horse started pulling back and dad grabbed onto the truck and wasn't gonna let go of the horse and uh, caught his wedding ring. Uh, I don't know if you know how a halter is with the metal ring in it. Yeah. Leather with a metal ring. It got caught in that metal ring on the halter and the horse jerked away and stripped all the flesh off his finger with the ring. And the finger had to be cut off. So for a Christian scientist, it's okay to go to the doctor for an injury like that? It's just uh, illnesses. <laughs> yeah, it's fairly much. Yes, but it's sporty. I mean, I guess okay isn't, a, isn't the correct term, but I mean... You know, yeah. It's it more about illnesses <laughs> yeah. than it's, about injuries. It's a lot about state of mind, but uh, there is no whole lot of state of mind you can do when <laughs> your fingers ripped off and yeah. it's hurting. <laughs> so uh, that was your I sister's. I was not there. That's your sister's horses, but you were of what age at that point? I think I was in the military then. Yeah. I think when I came home, Dad had his finger gone. Did you get a letter <laughs> about that? I maybe got a letter about it. I don't know. I don't remember what letters I got, other than the ones your mother wrote. I remember right, every one of those. Yeah. I'm lying. Um. <laughs> I remember I got letters. I remember mother would write a letter once in a while. Dad never wrote a letter. How, uh, how long was he into music? Did he was he into music play? as long as I knew him. Yeah. He and my mother, my mother used to play mandolin and dad used to play guitar. And on Saturday night they'd sit and, and sing and play, play music. That was Saturday night. You know how they learned? I would say mother probably learned with lessons. Hmm. Uh, and I think I might have heard a story about one time about grandma uh, putting money aside for dad to take guitar lessons. His mother squirreling away money and then when she had money he would go take a lesson. I think maybe they both took lessons. When they celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary, they had a party, and they sang together at the party, at the hall, which was really pretty huge. Mom was beautiful voice. Yeah, she was excellent. Well, they both sang very well. But Mother was very, very quiet and shy. I mean, Dad was always outgoing. Yeah. And he was not quiet or shy. Yeah. <laughs> he got between you and the door. You were sitting down listening to him play. That was it. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> and uh, for mom to sing in front of the group, I thought that was pretty huge. That was, because she just sang at home. And I don't remember them having people over ever. 
at the house. Grandma and Grandpa Boogler. Once in a while, Dorothy or Violet. Really? Yeah. We. No. Grandma came over Christmas Eve. Grandma Boogler. Grandma and Grandpa Boogler came over Christmas Eve. I don't remember. I don't think Thanksgiving we got together. Thanksgiving I'm, was at our house, and I don't think anybody came over. I remember when Daddy and I got married, and we lived in Michigan. Mom saying something one time about how can you afford to have people over like you do all the time? Because we did. We had friends over a lot. Um, who was it who lived with you guys in the Reefs Mills house? Your grandmother. Ella. Oh, your grandmother lived with you. The lady who took the baby in. Mm -hmm. I still think about her taking this baby in and then going home and telling her husband. Well, she probably didn't have to tell him. She might not have known for months. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, but that wasn't the last baby. If he was your dad's age, were all the babies, all the kids born? Because if it was, it was a baby... All pretty darn close in age. Eh? But if it was an infant that she was going to throw over the river, and your dad was about the same age, and your dad was an infant, and you've got Auntie Violet, who's younger than your dad. Mm -hmm. So there was, there was a baby born one. yet after this. There was another born after. So okay. you came home, and you did tell your husband, well, <laughs> we've got another mouth to feed. Probably says, it's your problem, not mine. Possible. And he, and he was gone first, and then Grandma came to live with you guys? Uh, he was gone, and then Grandma got remarried to Felix Ignera. And that was interesting situation. Who's, How so? Who is this? The, the fellow that married Grandma. Well, Grandma, my goodness, did, did she know who I was when you met me? Are you Billy's boy? Which okay. one are you? Okay, so she knew you. <laughs> Because, uh, boy, when I was in high school already, Grandma was, she was slipping. Felix was gone when I met you, or Felix was there, yeah? When I met Grandma Boogler, she was with Felix. Oh, I never Grandma knew your Grandpa. Okay. And I didn't know how long she was, how long was she alone before she married Grandpa? I have the idea. Before she married Felix? Before she married Felix, I mean. I don't remember. I, for some reason, I don't think that was a very long period of time, but like I say, we, if we went there once or twice a year, that's all we went there. I don't they think, never came to our house. I don't think it was... There was some something amiss with that because your family was never accepting of Felix. So I don't know if it was the amount of time where they thought that Felix had come in and, you know, take kind of weaseled his way into Ella's place there or something. But Grandma didn't know which end was up. I don't think Felix could hear. So they'd have conversations. <laughs> she had to do everything to keep from laughing at him because there was just no continuity at all in the conversation. She couldn't remember what he said and he couldn't hear what she said. So it, it would made be. for tremendously hilarious conversations. We were a young couple and John would say, well, it's Christmas. We should go visit my grandma. So we would dutifully go visit Grandma Ella. And Ella would say to Felix, something about the weather today is pretty nice, and he would say, what's wrong with my sweater? <laughs> and then she'd kind of look at him funny, and she said, well, I mean, it's like 80 now, you know? <laughs> and he'd look at her and say, something completely different again, and they would do this about three times while we were there in this 
you know, and then they kind of be quiet. And then the next... We're talking 20-minute visits because you can only take so much of this. But then the next topic would come up and it would be the same thing where they had misheard a word and had a kind of a three-sentence exchange, but it didn't ever really line up. It was like they were each in their own world carrying on these conversations. It was hilarious. Yeah, and I think grammar from about 60 on was big-time slipping. And Felix did die... First, and then mm -hmm. people stayed at the house and took care of Grandma, yeah. your cousin. Carol. Carol. Carol stayed there for a while. Carol aren't. And um, Carol had issues of her own, and it got to be that nobody could really stay and take care of Ella. And then Mom was taking care of Ella. And by them, I think Mom was starting to, it was hard for her, and she might have even not been real well by then already, I don't know. But um, I talked to her a little bit. Mom was very private, but she did say one time, it's odd, it's funny that I'm the one ending up taking care of Ella. This is my mother-in-law, not my mother, that her own daughters can't do this because she drove her own daughters crazy. And she said, Mom and I were never that close, and here I am taking care of her. And it was draining Mother a lot. And um, by then, Julie had died, mm -hmm. and I said, well, Mom, I'll talk with John, but we could take her during the week. Would that help? If you had her for the weekends and we had her for the week. And I said, I don't think that John would be really happy if we had her all the time, and I think he'd prefer to have her not on the weekends. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I can only take her until... Uh, but I was expecting Joseph then. I can only take her until the baby is born because then it would be too much. I mean, she was like watching an infant. But you didn't know what she was going to do. So um, I, we did that. We took her mm -hmm. on Sunday night she would arrive and they'd pick her up on, or they'd, they'd pick her, or we would bring her back on they'd Friday pick her up night. we bring her back on Friday night. Yeah. And, she, and poor Ella, she said, Who am I? Uh, I'm Ella, right? I'm, I'm Ella, and, and who are you? you? You take care of me. You take care of me? Yeah, yeah, I'm Ella. You take care of me. Mm. First, this, this where, where do I, I sit? Yeah, is this where so I live? You sit right I there, live. Grandma. It's the same place you always sit. Yeah. Yeah. So that was Ella. And I think she didn't get the credit she deserved because when I think of how she raised the kids and took that baby she in. a hard life. It would burn anybody out. Drive you nuts. And she wasn't, I don't see her as a bitter woman or an angry woman. No. Well, you look at Violet and Dorothy, they're just laughing and easygoing. And, and I, I think maybe it was just a defense mechanism that they grew up with, that you just can't let anything bother you and you have to, you just have to make the best of your, your place in life. Because yeah. they were both just happy-go-lucky and laughing all the time. And boy, they sure didn't come from an environment that... Gave you a lot to laugh about. Maybe the fact that they were out of that environment made you laugh and very happy. Yeah, yeah. But she didn't. She didn't get a lot of respect. But I do have a lot of respect for her. I think she's. Pretty yeah, you incredible. laugh at her because you could never remember who she was or, or where she sat. Or, yeah. And her famous trick was to take a fork and tap it on the glass and say, "Shouldn't there be something in here?" If you didn't have that glass filled with water when she sat down. She was ringing it with a fork. Never, please me, I have a glass of water. Please, could I have a drink? It was that, that was the thing. You never did hear. 
You never heard please, you never heard thank you, you never heard any of that. Uh, but that sure had to have something to do, I would think, with her life and, mm-hmm. and the way she, the things she had to go through. She seemed like an ingrate, but I'm, I'm sure she wasn't. She was just what was left after the process. So, um, moving back to Grandpa, when did he meet Grandma D? Boy, that was very shortly after Mother died, too. Uh, Mom died in February, and he was married very by upset Christmas. With that. Amy and Nancy, Amy in particular, very upset with how quickly. He was married by Christmas? Yeah, Mom died in February, and he got married on Christmas Day. And uh, his daughters, Amy, right. and, well, Amy especially, she, she, she tried to tell Dad, Dad, don't do this. You know, she's not like Mom. She's not the quality of Mother. You know... Dad made the mistake of telling D. Oh, Amy doesn't. Amy thinks this of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was. It was. But he they, might have been starting to lose his mind at that point. Was there, was there suspicion? <laughs> but they were because married he for was, twenty years. So. Was there suspicion because he was successful? Suspicion of her, mm-hmm. or she? She was married to a husband who's a traveling salesman that was a successful person. I mean, she didn't want for anything. She worked at a local. Uh, Department store. Yeah. Amy was the just, bookkeeper. Amy was just missing her mother so much, and Dee probably wasn't the caliber of mother. I well, Dee was nothing like mother. Mother sat at home and was just happy with whatever she had, and Dee always had a had a had a list of things that she wanted to do, and she wanted to travel, and she wanted to do this, and she wanted, she was a little more on the high maintenance side. Mother was no maintenance. Dee came uh, as an only child. And had gotten married and never had children. So it was pretty much all about Dee all of her life. Mm-hmm. And um, Dad and Dee didn't ever develop real good communication skills. And Dee would pull things like when we all came for summer and Dee didn't want us to eat at the house. So Dad would say, well, let's all go out for lunch. Let's go for a fish lunch. Unbeknownst to any of you what was going on, we all knew that Dee didn't want us to eat at the house. Mm-hmm. And he'd say, come on, Dee, let's go for lunch. And she'd, no, no, I don't want to go. So we'd all go for lunch, and we'd come back, and she'd say, well, you did, didn't you bring me anything? <laughs> well, you said you didn't. We asked you. You said you didn't want anything. And that happened simply because Every year. somewhere along the line, they didn't learn to communicate. You know, Dee had gotten upset with Dad at some point. I mean, when they first got married, they both thought they were the most wonderful two people, and somewhere along the line, something went haywire, and nobody learned how to say, I'm sorry, or accept the apology, or something. I never quite figured out what happened there, but it broke Dad's heart. <laughs> Dad wanted to fix it in the worst way, and just couldn't fix it. And he had she, been successful, have nothing to do with successful at a lot of stuff, but couldn't seem to make her happy. And he wouldn't divorce her, um, but it really wasn't good. It was not ever a good happy relationship. Well, I wouldn't say not ever, but the last 10 years for sure were not good. The first five months might have been fairly nice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was used to mother who never asked for anything and always was grateful for everything. Yeah. Yeah. And Dee who asked for everything and was grateful for nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. The other end of the spectrum. I shouldn't say that. I'm sure she was grateful for some things too. But it, it just seemed like there wasn't much you could do to please her. Yeah. Even if you did what she wanted. 
And Probably only because she asked you. Amy, Amy, poor Amy could never <laughs> dig herself out of that hole. Never dig herself out of the hole. There was no accepting Amy or Amy's kids or anything ever. Not even the kids. No, and see that was a real shame because everybody only knew Dee as Grandma. Carl would have known Grandma, but nobody else would have known any other Grandma None but Dee. Other kids ever met. Mother. And she missed out on such an opportunity to have grandchildren. They would have all fought her grandma. She just missed it. How old was Carl when when Grandma Bugler died? When Grandma Mueller, Bu- well, Grandma Mueller, oh, sorry. That was 81. Carl was born in 74. So there he was seven years old. What do you remember about your relationship between your mom and your dad? Mother did whatever dad said. Dad. Dad ran the house. Like he didn't run the house. Mother ran the house, but dad ran the house. <laughs> yeah. We ate what Dad liked. We didn't eat what Dad didn't like. Uh, we ate whatever was on the table because it was provided for us. And leaving the table hungry was never an option. Uh, but yet they seemed to... It was a different, it was a different time. Uh, you made the commitment and you just lived it out. Uh, I'm sure there were times that mother would have liked it if dad would have listened to her suggestions rather than telling her the way it was going to be. Because uh, mother wasn't an idiot. She's, in fact, a pretty smart woman. But uh, dad was the boss, and that's, that's the way it was. Uh, but yet dad would... always buying her things would buy her new cars, would buy her jewelry. Uh, and I think always buying her things to show her how much he loved her because, and he did. Oh, he Dad cherished loved Mom. her. He did, he loved Mom. He cherished her. And I never heard that he him. ruled with an iron fist. There was no, discussions were something that I never heard. Maybe there were discussions out of earshot of mine, but uh, there was never a discussion in front of the kids. I never heard him talk disrespectfully to your mother or anything like that. No, but it was just his way. Mm-hmm. It was his way. Was and his I know Mom worried about the money, and Dad would always say, you know, don't, don't worry, worry about, about the money. Yeah, Mother was always very worried about the money. Oh, I think that sometimes, though, they were so overextended. And he had all this stuff going and just pennies of equity in anything. <laughs> yeah. But it all worked out. It did all work out. But I know he'd buy, he'd go down and buy a new car with, with no money down and on a 90-day note. And in 90 days, that car had to be paid for. But don't worry about it. And I inherited a lot of that mentality. I saw how he operated, and I saw that it worked. And, and it worked fairly well for us sometimes. Other times not so well. <laughs> what's uh, time. what's so same question as I asked mom, what's your enduring memory is of uh grandpa as a parent? Is... Well, 
someone you could never please, that there was always more, more required of you than, than you were able to live up to. If, if you did 20 push-ups, that's not bad, but why can't you do 40? You do 40, why can't you do 60? Do 60, why can't you do 100? His, his claim to fame was uh, being able to do 500 push-ups. Being able to do 100 push-ups with left hand and 100 push-ups with his right hand. 500 total. And that, that was just, and when he got in the military, that's all he did. Push-ups, push-ups, push-ups. That's, that's all he was doing all the time. Part of it was training, but part of it was just that there was just nobody going to, nobody going to beat him. Well, I think in your in your case, the same could be asked about your your mom as well. So, what is your your mm -hmm. enduring impression of your mom's parenting? She's just always there for you. She would she would have given her life for her kids. Dad would have maybe given everything he had, because then he could have gone out and earned some more. Dad did the best he could with what he had to. He just didn't. I'm sure he didn't know about how a, a father should encourage a child because he never had that. He didn't know what encouragement was. He just knew what it was like to have to walk on eggshells around your father and be laughed at by everybody else. Laughed at and scoffed at by everybody else. So... Yeah, they were quite the quite the different. But I, I think mother probably grew up totally different than dad did. I think she grew up in a pretty nurturing environment, an encouraging environment. Uh, for Donna to go to nursing school, uh, in those days, uh, in fact, she, in some conversations, she would complain about how high school never prepared her for anything. She had to learn everything after she got out of high school because in those days, you're either going to be a mother or a secretary. Those are the two things. You learn how to type and take shorthand. That's what they taught you in high school. You didn't take science and all these other things. What did you need that for? No. Women were trained to be... You had your, your uh, home ec and uh, classes like that. And you had your, your bookkeeping and your secretarial skills and things like that. He went off to work in an office, then you'd need those skills, and otherwise he'd stay home and you needed those skills. So, uh, Donna would always, and not always, but often complain about how she had it rough when she first got out there because there was, she didn't have any prepping. She had to pretty much make it on her own. She decided she was going to go to nursing school. Do you have any memories of your dad doing something that really made your mom pleased or one of a moment that really sticks in your mind of either of them being really happy with the other I think dad was uh, quite often visibly pleased with with mother I don't know if it, I shouldn't say this I will I don't <laughs> know if it was as a trophy or uh, but she was. She was just such a genuine, genuinely nice, caring person. It was just, I would think it almost would have been impossible not to like her. 
And she was beautiful. And she was beautiful. Yeah. Was there more to that question? No. Just wondering, you know, if what moments they you can remember where Mom with Dad? Not so much. I just don't know. Nothing sticks out there with that one. Seems like he was trying to, you know, please her with things of, of giving things to her. So I was just well, wondering was, if there was ever a moment where she was actually really pleased with something that he gave her or if he ever figured out she that. She was always very thankful and very gracious every time he'd bring things to her. But, it, yeah, his world, his world evolved around acquisition. Having something to show and she wasn't there at all. That wasn't part of her world. That wasn't a necessity for her world. But I think she understood him. And she understood that that was his makeup. Yeah, and I don't know what all went on before I, I can remember things. Maybe there was a lot of demand on him to make sure that he was up to par. Either placed on formally or placed on informally. You said that your dad was always hard to please. Do you think when uh, you started? I think raising, I said he's impossible. To please. Impossible. <laughs> to please. That's the step beyond hard. When you started raising children of your own, do you think that you purposely tried to take a different avenue with your children? I know when I was growing up and bringing home report cards, I remember you guys were always telling us, as long as you did your best. That's the thing. Then right, you weren't going to do any better. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, it seems like the complete opposite mentality almost is that... And I was wondering if that was a conscious decision or... It was a conscious decision, but uh, although I said that I would never do the things he did to me, I did some of them to you guys. It was just... Uh, it gets down to that fight-or-flight response thing, and, and you, you get down and you, you do what you know. Not what you know you should do. You just do what you know. You had moments of saying less than encouraging things. Do <laughs> <laughs> you guys have any more questions about Grandma Miller? There was a conscious effort to, to not treat you guys the way I was treated. I think that's the effort of every generation, right? To do something a little bit improved of the one before. We can improve a little bit better. Can improve and be better. Did any of your other aunts or uncles struggle with alcohol like uh, your uncle Buckshot? Clarence. <laughs> Clarence. Um, well, I don't know if any of them ever drank. Yeah, Violet and Henry and uh, Dorothy and uh, Joe aren't. We're all Christian scientists and didn't drink mm -hmm. or... They didn't drink. They didn't drink. And Doc... Drank. And that was strange, because Joe Arndt came from a tavern background. His family owned taverns. But I think when he married Auntie Dorothy, Auntie Dorothy said, you're not going to be drinking if you're going to marry me. He left the tavern business. Yeah, he left the tavern business when he married Dorothy. But that Arndt's had you know, a couple taverns. They weren't just... Didn't have a tavern. They were in the tavern business. The family was in the tavern business. 
did you see your dad raise some of your brothers and sisters with a different methodology? You said he was impossible to please. Was he the same way with your brothers? Was it mostly you? I you're think the he oldest? got. He used to always joke saying, "I made all my mistakes on you." And uh, no, you saw him get lighter. The hand got lighter. Sure. By the time he got to my brother Pete, well, the girls there was just a whole different whole different set of rules for them. It was just, it wasn't a matter of do this, it was a matter of what would you like to do. The girls were always perfect. They got everything they wanted. He always encouraged them and dragged them up. I wonder if that's because his relationship with his mother. I don't know, that could be because he looked at the girls like he looked at his mother and the sacrifice that she made. And she looked at his sons as at the boys, like he looked at his dad. I used to get upset because he'd say such nice things about the girls, and I'd think, your girls are screwing up, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And your son is doing really well. Why don't you tell him a little bit, at least? He did, he'd tell the girls all the time how wonderful they were. Couldn't seem to be able to tell that to the boys. Um, yeah, I don't know if he treated them differently or if everybody just got smart and got out faster than I did. One other question I had is, um, I mean, both your families came from Germany, so I'm assuming when they first came over they all spoke German. Did they pretty much start learning English immediately or was it, were there a couple generations where they spoke German in the household and English? There was only one generation of mine. Well. So... And they were speaking English. The German was spoken sometimes, yes, uh, but not very little, not conversational as I ever remember. I mean, you'd have phrases and things said, but uh, you wouldn't hear all conversations in German. Then German wasn't real popular with World <laughs> War One and World War Two. <laughs> kind of like being Japanese in World War Two. Did did your dad? make a conscious decision to sometimes be called Bill Miller or did that just the way sometimes people said it I remember remember often he was referred to as Miller yeah it was Miller uh, because when he came over from Germany once again trying to distance yourself from that German heritage uh, it it wasn't Müller like it would have been it was Miller and it became Mueller uh I would hear it pronounced like that sometimes, and when I got in the military, uh, I think there were three Millers, and of course nobody ever got uh, their first name said, it was just always last name, and yours is spelled different, is there any other way you can say it? Yes, Mueller, Mueller, okay, you're Mueller, and then he figured out what to do with those two Millers, I don't know what that was, (laughs) but it just became Mueller, and then everybody in the, the squad knew me as Mueller, and some of them went on to tech school and it was Mueller and, and then people I was with in tech school went on to knock off and with me and so it was Mueller and, and Gary Schlechter stayed with me and came back to Boakfield in Wisconsin it was Mueller and it was just Mueller. So do your brothers go by Mueller or are we the only family of Mueller's out of your family? No, uh, actually Pete does Pete by Mueller. Pete and Dave do this. Amy go by Amy goes on Miller, doesn't she? All I know is we were married for a long time, and I'm at a 
kindergarten open house and introduce myself as Mary Miller from Reeves Mills. And John stands up and introduces himself as John Mueller from Whitelaw. <laughs> and our daughter is Julie. <laughs> but when I met John, I'm sure he said John Miller. And his family was Miller's, and it took me a long time to remember to say. Well, that would have been. Mueller. You met me before. I well, went, no, he didn't know me before the military. No, but I think that first. There time, were a lot of people still referred to me as Miller when I came back, yeah. because I, through high school I was Miller. The cousins are all and uh, from John Miller's in my class. From Pete and Dave, all go by Miller, right? That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, Your dad was a trendsetter. Do you guys have any more questions about Grandma and Grandpa Mueller? So, um, oh, this is easy. We're, I mean, we're closing in on two hours here. I just, uh, so I assume that it goes kind of by age, the amount of memories that we each have about uh, basically the grandpas, because we didn't know the grandmas. Uh, Matt, do you remember much of Grandpa Bully or Grandpa Mueller? Um, I you should remember Grandpa Mueller, right? Grandpa yeah, Bully. I have definitely more memories of Grandpa Mueller. Um, I have a couple memories of Grandpa Bully. I kind of remember his apartment mm -hmm. um, going up there, especially, I guess, I don't know if it was one or two times in the winter time. Mm -hmm. I think we went up there, I think, that I can remember one time in the winter when he was still alive and we were at his apartment. I can remember, you know, building a snowman out front and stuff like that. <laughs> We've got a picture. That was his 75th birthday. Mm -hmm. And then I remember going up there for his funeral in the winter. And those are kind of my two main memories of of him. I mean, I think we, w I think we saw him in the summertime a couple times, yeah, too. But I mean, saw those him every memories, summer. Those memories don't stand out to me quite as much as the winter ones. Um, it's amazing. That's amazing because we would go up there for weeks and maybe see Grandpa Mueller for a couple of hours. And all the rest of the time was spent with Grandpa Bully. I think I remember watching Captain Planet on his TV. <laughs> <laughs> so when we would have gone up for Grandpa's 75th, how old would Matt have been? Do you know? 17 he was born? We can do the math on this one. So for his 75th, he would have been, it would have been 92, right? Right. So yeah. uh, in 92, Matt, how old were you? 92 or 6 years old. So yeah. So. Um, and he died at seventy-nine, so you'd have been ten years old. So yeah, I mean. And, and Grandpa could not leave you hat. guys alone. They'd be sleeping on the floor in this little senior mm -hmm. apartment. Oh, I remember that. One bedroom apartment. And mm -hmm. Grandpa would come out of his room and hear these guys were sleeping on the floor, and he couldn't. Just, He'd tickle our toes. Yeah, he couldn't walk by us. <laughs> He'd that. be poking them, tickling them. <laughs> I think Grandpa. He's going to wake us all up. Uh, he just loved you all. I thought that was my first. What about Grandpa Mueller? Uh, Grandpa Mueller, I mean, I remember his house and going there and running around the pond and um, going to A&W and, <laughs> and all of his songs, obviously. Um, Dancing with Bears? Dancing with bears, yeah. Uh, so you know, I have a. Do we have any? Do you guys that? have a tape of that? There was a tape. There was we a, had tape. a couple tapes, but I don't know okay. where they are. Just one. You have. You have it. Okay. Have you converted it or no? 
Yes, so that was supposed to be Dad's surprise Christmas present, but uh, we have a CD, and I've got MP3s, and... Uh, you should tell all of us about this, gold so album. we won't bring it up. No, no, it's fine. It's, really it's, not, it's not a big deal. Oh. It was just something I was thinking of doing, but I, I've already done it. So it's uh, it's very amazing to listen to. That's it's, awesome. Yeah, it's really it's brings the flood back. Um, What about you, Joy? Anything to add to that? I kind of have all those... You were two years old. Same memories, yeah. You yeah, definitely. A W and songs and right. yeah. like I say, we we had summers. We went up there for eight weeks. Well, I remember mm-hmm. more about Grandpa Bully. I remember going to the park by his apartment mm-hmm. and playing out there. Hmm. I remember mm-hmm. that park. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember his house actually, okay, which house that was pretty oh, far yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. at the top of the hill. I remember rolling down the hill when. Uh, we would go outside. Apartment that was an apartment. Uh, that was an apartment? Yeah. That was an apartment. He had a brick house. Yeah, a brick that house. Would, but there wouldn't have been a hill for you to roll down. Oh. Yeah. I thought there was a hill out front of it. Well. The apartment had a hill. A Not like a big hill, but a little slope out front down to the... There was a slope down to the ditch. Yeah, down Maybe to the ditch. Maybe for a little girl it had been a hill. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know said more of a hill. I think that's where they would go down. I remember the I hill. Remember I remember pulling in. We would pull in there and we'd the, be at, at the, the hill. The road almost teed into his house, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If you missed the T intersection, he'd hit his house. Mm-hmm. It was there. Mm-hmm. Well, but that's about it. I remember uh, I remember a little bit about that house. Not a whole lot. And then more about the apartment in the park and building the snowman. And I remember washing yep. dishes yeah. with hot water and... Or no, rinsing dishes and Grandpa coming over and turning it hot and saying, if you rinse them with hot water, they dry faster. And the hot water was so hot, it was burning my hands. And I kept trying to turn it to be not so hot. And he kept coming over and turning it hot and saying, rinse it with hot water, it'll dry faster. Rinse it with hot water, it'll dry faster. And and I, oh, I remember placemats. We made them placemats. I do remember that. Ninja Turtle placemats. (laughs) And we all made them placemats and he had them there at his apartment for summers and summers. He loved those. He did. Mm-hmm. He did. He and laughed that. when he read them. Especially good. <laughs> 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 remember that. What about your, you, Andy? Uh, that was my first memory, actually, of, of Grandpa Bully was making that placemat, the Ninja Turtle one. I forget. Was that for his 70th? No, that would have been for his 75th. 75th? I think. Yeah. Okay. I remember the, the, the agent. I just didn't remember for it, which number it was. But yeah, I remember that, and he loved that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that every single time. He's like, remember when you made this? Like now I do. I don't have a lot of memories from childhood, but that was one of them that really stuck behind. He was so happy; I thought that was so great. Um, but yeah, I remember. I didn't remember his his older house until you remember, mentioned it. But I do remember walking out back. Was there a path back there? He mm-hmm. he walked out back. He that was uh, path right alongside the house. Yeah, and he taught me how to eat. Uh, well, he taught me that you could eat tiger lilies. I thought that was awesome because it is. <laughs> um, I remember playing in the house a little bit, uh, maybe with Ben. Even, yeah, that'd Could probably be. be right. I remember playing with like the action figures were there. I kind of remember uh, going down to the basement also. Basement? Yeah, playing down yeah. there, playing in the front room. Mm, the basement. Now that goes way back. Oh, and the uh, the swing, the tire was there a tire swing up front or some, some sort kind of, of swing mm-hmm. up front at that mm-hmm. house. Yeah. There was a rope, at least, and maybe a tire on it. Mm-hmm. Yep, remember that. Remember his pigeons out back? Was that in that house? Mm-hmm. I remember both having pigeons. Well, we had pigeons at our house too for a little while. Stop making up things. I remember his pigeons. I remember he had that crazy 
vacuuming system that mm-hmm. went right into oh, the wall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. What was that? Built-in vacuum cleaner. Central vacuum. You just uh, plugged your vacuum with hose. a giant hose right into the wall, and then it just started sucking out of your vacuum, and you just... You had a cover that looks just like an outlet cover, with, and you flipped it up, and you stuck your hose in there, and it started running. I thought that was cool. had a hose that you went around with, and there were spots like that throughout the house. You could plug your hose in. And I do remember when we first uh, went up there, the first time where he had moved from that house, and I was kind of bummed out. Because <laughs> uh, I really liked the old place, and it was a lot of fun, but I understand that obviously he couldn't continue staying there. But um, but yeah, I think my memories of going up there kind of diminished after he moved into the new place, which is a little sad, but I just don't remember that we did as much when we went to the new place. It's How probably- many years did we go up there when he was in his home as opposed to when he was in the apartments? Well, we went up every year. Right. So how many years of so that? 86, and he died. What did we figure? 79. Oh, he died at 79. So no. Um, so yeah, that would have... 92 was when he moved. 75. 92 was 75, so Six. 96. He would have died. 96. 86 to 96. 10 years. 10 years. How many years of that would he have been in his house? Or how many years, I guess, was he in the apartment? Is that easier? Let's see. Maybe half, half in each. About a half. Five and five. What is surprising me is that none of you have mentioned that he came down. I was going to say that. Every oh, yeah. year by Well, you're us. cutting off before I get to say my memories about my grandpa's. <laughs> Andy's <laughs> all done? Uh, well, not Grandpa Mueller, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I remember the same thing, running around the property at Grandpa Mueller's. Remember all the songs. I remember thinking the property was huge. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I was always in awe, and there was always, like, construction and dirt. Uh, getting pulled out of his property, and I was in a tree farm. I could just—I could never wrap my head around everything that was going on and everything that his property was. That's why they're so proud about your report card. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you can do, is great. <laughs> um, and I remember there was one log that kind of crossed the yep. uh, river. One of the it was yeah. out of the out yeah, of the and it was slippery. And I've always thought that that was like. It was like a dangerous thing. Real if, if we could get across that log, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty uh, intense. Yeah. And fishing off the dock, yeah, for sure. And that always used to be like, as soon as the, the line hit the water, there were fish bites, bites. and yeah. nowhere else that we ever went fishing <laughs> were was I that successful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he must have starved those yeah. fish all year long. <laughs> we would dig for worms right at the top of the hill. There oh yeah, that's right. Fill up a little can and take them down. He would give us a can. We'd go down to the top, top of the hill and dig for worms right there, yeah. and then take them down. And to he the had tomorrow. a cool basement too, full of amazing things. You his, remember that his remember basement? His whole, his whole house. I don't, are you thinking of the basement or the basement was his full of antiques and all yep. different things? I remember, I don't remember the basement. But he at had all. this basement loaded with just loaded when you went down there, loaded mm-hmm. with stuff, yeah, loaded with there. things hanging on the walls and sitting on shelves and just totally full. And then the music playing, obviously, was uh, every single time you did all your fun stuff. Actually, as a kid, I was like, oh, this is fun, this is fun. And I was like, okay, music playing time. <laughs> and I actually I didn't enjoy that that much. Um, I liked it. I don't know why I didn't enjoy it. I mean, it was just the same played. songs you heard the yeah. year before. I mean, now it seems amazing, but yeah. at the time we just were like, hearing them again. I think I had the same feeling. Like, and oh, I, again. I'm, kind of re- I'm kind of remembering um, how that room was set up. And I didn't appreciate it at the time, but now that I'm thinking about it, I know that now that you're saying they designed it, it's, it's a, a pretty cool, pretty cool room looking over the pond there. Um, 
pretty, pretty for that, house. For that time, I guess that probably was very innovative design. Yeah. You know, when they built that house. Obviously, I remember a &W. That was always awesome. Yeah. Anybody remember, remember Grandpa jumping in the air and clicking his heels? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he loved that one. That was a cool one. <laughs> <laughs> um, loved, you know, it was cool going out there and seeing all those pigeons. Anybody yeah. remember how everybody knew Grandpa when we went out on town? Yep. Yeah. Everybody knew Bill Miller. Right. And he knew everybody. Whether they knew him or not, right. he knew everybody. Probably because he was uh, renting his land to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> As the story turns out. I believe he owned 26 properties. That's cool. Yeah. I'm working my way Yeah, out. I remember Grandpa being down in Florida. Uh, uh, do, you, do you know what year that was? He Almost came alive, didn't he? My, my dad yeah. would come every year. I guess I kind of remember him being there more than once. I don't remember it being every year. He used to I'm, go out to Arizona. In February. And in the beginning, he went to Arizona first, and then he'd come over. That's right. By us. But then at the end, he just came down. But, I mean, he would be... November. He would have been in his 70s for almost all of that time. I remember mm -hmm. him doing some push-ups down in Florida, and I remember you being so <laughs> impressed. Uh, I remember my Bonnie lies over the ocean. Oh, that was Grandpa Bully? That was Grandpa Bully. Did he, <laughs> did he paint the snowman? Paint the plaster snowman. Oh, I think he did. Yeah, yeah we did, did that down in Florida. Yes, he did. He painted the plaster, painted plaster, the plaster snowman. snowman. So yeah. you remember my body? You remember how he sang it? Andy, my body. My body. So did I. <laughs> yeah, I so. did always think it was my body. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that for years. I don't. I don't even know when I learned. It. I don't know if I learned it back then or if I was looking up the song later. Just because I remember it was my size complex. I wanted to think that my body could lie over the ocean. <laughs> I thought it was metaphysical, man. This guy's. <laughs> um, I didn't realize that you do. I just remember hearing him one day singing away after Grandpa was gone. My body lies open. <laughs> yeah, for one sure. Big dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, yeah, you thought of it as a size thing. I literally, yeah, I was thinking metaphysical. It's like this guy's his his body is back home, like in the old country or something. Honestly, um, I didn't think even about the meaning. Uh, I was a very deep thinker. <laughs> Grandpa Bully's his house. I, I have, I remember his house quite a bit. Like like Matt said, I remember his house quite a bit. And then the apartment. I mean, I, I remember. I think every time we went there, but I think because it was just such a small space, everything happened in the same room. And yeah. yeah. But uh, at the house, I remember you didn't have to walk. So, obviously, in Florida, we don't have a basement, and you would always say I was stopping my feet walking around, and uh, I honestly think, so I would I would end up, like, tiptoeing at that point, and people say right now that I sneak up behind them at work, <laughs> talk about how I walk so quiet, and I think it was because of that. Um, yeah, Grandpa Mueller's, I remember going upstairs and seeing everything along that he had, just like Joe was saying, all the... Uh, all the antiques and just every kind of little thing. And uh, the yeah, songs. upstairs too, I guess, huh? Yeah. That's right. Remember his Lincoln? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big old Lincoln. And yeah, that, that property, it was, we'd just, we'd go out as groups and I would go out on my own and just walk out into the woods and it just seemed like you could really be exploring out there like you were nowhere near anything, like you were walking out in the Yukon. Yeah, that was neat. <laughs> and uh, fishing there and stuff. So yeah, I think, I think a lot of strong memories of both of them. I mean, it, it may be because we only saw him for so little that it's so 
bright in our memories that you know this was the one hour that she saw Grandpa Mueller. And probably because we did a lot of the same things every time, you know. It's true, good, too. Good traditions, you That's know. true, too. Yeah, we would always hear the music. We would always go fishing. We would always go in the woods. And A&W, probably, uh, I feel like, always was a tradition. Go, always go out to eat at one of those places and always probably explore the house. Always go check out the barn. So, yeah, we did the same things a lot as well. So that, the barn with the chickens. Yeah, and the pigeons. The pigeons. And stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think as Grandpa got older and things were so difficult to do, you all meant more and more to him. He, he got older and a lot smarter and a lot wiser as to what was important. And um, at that point, family and... So there's just, still hope for me. <laughs> I'm sure he had a lot of regrets probably over some of that stuff. Yeah. Did he ever talk to you about that? Well, one time at the very end, the, uh, in fact, I think it might have been when I went up there that time when somebody said you better get up there he's not doing well that's just before he died months before he died weeks before he died I guess I came back down and got you and we all went up there as a family and then he died Uh, I was doing a good job which is true very Took seventy nine years to do. <laughs> I don't think it's you, you know, I, I imagine his. If you, why you can't really you do sixty? Why it. can't you do eighty? I'm assuming mm-hmm. that's what he was thinking when he was a kid. You know, I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more. I'm going to do more. And he's probably thinking that's that's you know the best way to push somebody. Yeah, well, I'm sure it was. He just wanted me to. He wanted the best for you, and that's how he thought was what you're doing. Up to what needed to be to survive up there. And then maybe somewhere along the line he realized, wait a minute, you don't have to drive quite so hard to survive. Hmm. There is survival other than having having it all. Yeah, and it's probably a big shock for him when you guys uh, came down and started trying to build from nothing down here. Down down in Florida, I mean. Right. So, um, we are at uh, 210, which is... Uh, quite a long time and uh, we are at the very first note that I wrote <laughs> for what to talk to you guys about so uh, I think this was awesome yeah yeah mm-hmm. and I appreciate you, you guys doing it together, oh, I appreciate it it was really enjoyable and uh, Christmas time we'll move on to the next step which will be your early lives which you haven't even gotten into yet Christmas. Yep. yeah yeah well I, I think this will be Something that'll be going on for a while. It'll be interesting to see if Carl remembers when he fell in the pond. Yeah. That that log that you talked about? Yeah. Uh. No. It was there was a plank also that went out to the aerator. I don't know yeah. if that was always there. After Julie mm-hmm, died, mm-hmm. I was down there fishing with Carl. And it was just getting And your dead. dad was your dad was with you too. Was he? Mm-hmm. Just getting to be dusk. And I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, I heard a splash and Carl was gone. How old was he? Seven. Yeah, between six and seven. It was just after Julie had passed. I mean, it wasn't that long after. I was looking and looking and looking, and it was just the water was black. I could see nothing. And all of a sudden, I saw a white flash, and I grabbed it. It was the bottom of his tennis shoe. Oh, my gosh. Pulled him up out of the water. He couldn't swim? Guys. This has been an amazing conversation. <laughs> so next what's the time? next topic? 
Uh, the next topic that I have written down is uh, mom and dad's early lives. So home life, farm mom. life, school life, <laughs> high school. So that was be uh, Christmas of 2012 with Carl. Yeah. Right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Noah went to his room in the middle of the night. I tiptoed inside and I turned on the light. And to my dismay, there was no one in sight. Cause my Uncle Walter goes waltzing at night. He goes wah 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 waltzing with bears. Shaggy bears, raggy bears, baggy bears too There's nothing on earth Uncle Walter won't do So he can go waltzing Wa-wa-wa-waltzing Waltzing with bears Now we bought Uncle Walter A new coat to wear But when he comes home it's all covered with hair And lately we have noticed there are several new tears. We're sure Uncle Walter's been a waltzing with bears. He goes wah 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 waltzing with bears. Shaggy bears, raggy bears, baggy bears too. There's a nothing on earth Uncle Walter won't do. So he can go waltzing, waltzing with bears. We asked Uncle Walter, oh, won't you be good and do all the things that we say that you should? We know that you would rather be out in the woods, but we're afraid that we'll lose you, we'll lose you for good. He goes wah 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 waltzing with bears, shaggy bears, raggy bears, baggy bears too. There's nothing on earth Uncle Walter won't do So he can go waltzing, waltzing with bears Now we begged and we pleaded Please won't you stay And we managed to keep him around for a day But the bears all barged in and they took him away We saw him dance with a panda and we don't understand them Cause each bear demands at least one dance a day He goes wah 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 waltzing with bears Shaggy bears, raggy bears, baggy bears too There's a nothing on earth 
Uncle Walter won't do, so he can go waltzing. Wow, 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 waltzing, so he can go waltzing, waltzing with me.